On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on a, a freezing night here in Melbourne town. Nine degrees. Uh, Vinny Venezuela, you still got a tan, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, winter tan. Yeah, you know. <laughs> welcome to the show. And uh, Warren, you don't have a tan, but welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, and um, it's a pleasure, actually. Thanks oh, for um, no. inviting me Well, again. excellent. No, no, you, you do need an official invitation, but Carlos, a man who needs no introduction or invitation, um, welcome to the show. You told me to say that. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Yeah. It's great to be here, and of course, uh, we're going to get on to the FFA Cup in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Devonport sure. City. <laughs> I watched that game tonight in little bits and pieces. Of course, uh, they had a great win over... Uh, the Lambton, the Lambton Jap- Jap- Yeah, household you name know, You wouldn't know where Lambton is Because yeah. <laughs> you're ignorant Actually, they're called the Lambton Jaffers Wednesday <laughs> That's what they're normally called but I thought they were the I reckon London- there was snood Vinny would be very interested Because Vinny's the fashion guru here Yeah, Vinny, <laughs> I reckon there was a snood or two worn By the Devon, Devonport players Strikers. tonight Because they had the actual gloves The goal scorer had gloves on Oh, yeah, absolutely He... he and with yeah. he had you know the fingertips yeah. cut off. <laughs> that's cut right. out. No, I think he had the Michael Jackson. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. And I reckon there was a snood or two. Remember the yeah. snoods? Oh, They've yeah. been banned. I think they snuck them in in Tassie. Oh, yeah. yeah, we got a lot of mileage out of the snoods yeah. back back in the day. <laughs> anyway, guys, we've got a massive show tonight because uh, we're going to speak to Melbourne Victory CEO Ian Robson very very shortly. It's and controversial. Say, no, well, yeah. Well, he he was in the mood to talk. I so. came out to Ian. Yeah, you did. you did. You <laughs> came out. You did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I came Absolutely. out. And he offered well, you a ticket. Idiot. And I got a ticket. <laughs> and he offered you a ticket. But anyway, yes. looking forward to uh, speaking, well, to hearing the interview uh, with uh, Ian Robson. Elise Callan Knight, Matilda's mm. gun, uh, is going to speak to us from Brazil. If you don't know anything about Elise, mm. Google her now. She's a champ. She is. Well, everyone knows champ. Lisa Devana and yeah. they, and all that, you know, but she's actually a champ. Obviously, understated, uh, quite achiever. You need But she wins things. In any good team. You need people that are reasonably understated. Well, yeah, humble. You can't all humble have. You need you know, humble people. Big she's names. The, she's the current PFA Player of the mm. Year, so you know she's got some recognition. They're as building well. a team around her. That's right, around yeah. her. That's mm. right, and we'll tell her that. Yes. We'll tell her you said that. <laughs> and Mike McGrath coming up a little bit. Mm, excuse me, a little bit later on, and also Warren's rant. Uh, but uh, let's get into the Q and A. It's nine past eleven. Ah, yes, a bit of disco on a cold Wednesday night here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of disco. And it is Rodrigo Rodriguez's Q&A. Just off the SMS, a snood. Yeah. We've been asked what a snood is. Obviously, they're a youngster. A few years ago, FIFA banned snoods. Now, snoods are the things that they used to wear under their shirts, and they used to be like a pole, a bit of a turtleneck. Yeah, it's that's the turtleneck. Right. Yeah, it's turtleneck. The- Athletic equivalent a, of a turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. It's a skivvy. Yeah. All, all the foreigners used to wear it in, in, in England. In Tevez. The Tevez was a... Yeah, they used to love it. Then they banned them because somehow they reckon they're dangerous to wear. <laughs> right, it's, it's dangerous to wear a turtleneck woolen jumper these days. <laughs> you apparently. could choke on a fashion, yeah, yeah. faux pas, but, anyway, yeah. but it's not dangerous. All right, let's get into the Q&A because it was FFA Cup, uh, the, the, the last games of the round of 32. 
and uh, it, was, it was a great night to watch. Mm. If you had a chance to get to the ground uh, here in Melbourne, of course, where it was pelting down with rain after Melbourne Knights defeated Coburn City 2-1 uh, at Knight Stadium. But uh, there was about over 2,000 people there. Looked really good. I felt sorry for Tara Rushton, who was the uh, <laughs> uh, Fox Sports reporter there. Um, and uh, she was getting all I, sorts. I don't, I don't have any sympathy for I people do. that have gone to Knight Stadium because, <laughs> Carlos... We've had some wonderful experiences there, haven't we? There's no such thing as a bad experience at night stadium. Do you think Tara would have gone anywhere in her whole life, (laughs) anywhere like night stadium? She's just so petite. So precious. I've got to say, she's so been... fragile, so sensitive. <laughs> Gee, she would take exception with that, Carlos. She I'll did tell a great she, job, by the way. She would have not gone to anywhere in the world that was like Night Stadium. Has she, wore... especially on a wet, cold? Was she wearing night. a sombrero tonight? No, she had all the big uh, wet weather gear on, okay. and she did very, very well with the with with the yeah sensitive hooligans there at uh, Melbourne Knights. Make it very difficult for her to do her reports. <laughs> you know, you know, in in behind her. Making all sorts of faces, the whole thing. It was so. very good. Uh, one thing is clear: the the people at nights took to her more than they took to the Diego's <laughs> when we went there. That's true. Oh, I think that's a line ball call. <laughs> I think we were pretty popular. I just wonder, yeah. on a windy conditions like this, if the ball goes over the fence on the far side of the ground, yeah. they struggle Down to get into, it the, back. They, into the, the canyon. abyss. Yeah, into the, the abyss. canyon. Yeah, it and, looked very, very nice. And actually. it was exciting to see the Viduka stand in the yeah, background. You right. know what you can do with corrugated iron <laughs> is pretty special. But don't you just love the FFA Cup? You know, you've got Knights Stadium, who we know very well because yeah. uh, you know it's in sunshine. Um, we had our humble beginnings in the Melbourne's western suburbs. We, I still remember that being built, and we were thought we thought that it was state of the art when it was getting That's built. Right. That's right. I it mean, was that silver. Was, <laughs> but that was built by. I mean, really, well, the, 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 and his the Croatian <laughs> the Croatian community built that with their with their hands. Absolutely. There wasn't much machinery used. It was just all hands and uh, and hard work, and they raised all the money for it. Just it's it's fantastic what they were able to do uh, on that facility. Of course, now there's like massive. Modern stadiums, but it, in those days when they built that, it was mm. a very proud, proud facility back in the early days of the NSL. Well, Melbourne Knights are into the round of 16, uh, and uh, they have got a, a really interesting game. It's the Western Derby. Yes, yeah. Melbourne Knights <laughs> the versus Western Suburbs. Western Derby. Suburbs. Well, let, let's let's make it bigger than it is, Carlos, yeah. because it is it is the, a national stage. Mm. It's broadcast. So Melbourne Knights are taking on Green Gully. We'll go through the round of sixteen draw, but let's go through some other games very quickly. Devonport Strikers from Tasmania defeated Lambton Jaffers from North New South Wales. Uh, from Newcastle, actually. From, okay, well uh, there you go. One yeah. nil. Uh, Brisbane Raw were defeated by Perth Glory two nil. And um, a couple of how do you do's and malaise. Yeah, in they'll win it too. all, Perth. Yes. There's, mark my words, they'll oh, win it you, all. You, you and Perth, really. And Sydney FC defeated Wollongong Wolves three nil. Yeah. Well, Arnie's going to win everything. He's, he's bring <laughs> he, anything silver. He's taken it to to the to the dressing room there up up there. That was yeah. a closer made game. That was a closer game than the score. It's true. And, and although Justin Passfield saved a penalty early in the first he half. Did, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. Didn't but recognize him really. I know they're going to apparently there's talk about some uh, Brazilian marquee that's coming to to score a lot of goals for him, but if that's the Sydney team this year, they if that's won't what finish top they, 4. They they're going to struggle this year. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're going to win very much this year at all. They'll be hard to beat, but that's all. There won't be any flair or class in that mob. 
Just and just a quick shout out to the goal scorers for Melbourne Knights, uh, Colosimo and uh, Andriy Yasevich. Uh, nice work for um, for Melbourne Knights. So well done, guys, and congratulations to everybody associated with yeah. Melbourne Knights uh, because that makes it uh, how many Victorian clubs now six into the round of 16 in the FFA Cup, which is a fantastic result. A few of them will be knocked out because they're playing well, each other right. in the next round. That's but, right. uh, so Perth Glory mm. take on Sydney FC. That's the A-League uh, yep. match in the round of 16. I have no interest in that game. Yeah. No interest. Well, it, it's going to be... There's no, there's no romance there. No, no romance. It's a glorified practice match. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's, a, it's obviously the two big A-League clubs. Um, Canberra Olympic take on Redlands United, uh, who uh, defeated Adelaide uh, United just yep. recently. Devonport Strikers play Bentley Green, so well, they've got to go game in, in Tasmania. Tasmania. I, want more, I want more games in Tassie. Did, did you did you see the bog that they played? Well, on? I was the head coach of the women's team down there a yeah, long time ago. That's right, ago. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, you still pop down there. Yeah, I do. When you're allowed in the in the state. <laughs> yep. Blacktown City take on Bonnie Rig, and uh, and Melbourne Knights take on Green Gully at uh, in Sunshine. Brisbane Strikers play Melbourne City. That'll be a good game. Uh, maybe Tim Kale can. Uh, no, he won't. No, I mean no. they, they, they were speculating tonight. Danny Garb, he's doing a great job hosting Daniel Garb, well, uh, SEN's very own. Uh, but when he suggested that Timmy Cale was going to play in that game in two weeks, you're kidding yourself, Danny. You're kidding yourself. There's no way. No, he'll, he's, he'll, he's just... he'll be right only for the derby. He'll wrap himself in, oh. in cotton wool. No, he, he, he's now focused on play, getting picked for the Socceroo games in September, and he'll turn up week two of the A-League. And a replay of uh, last year's semi-final, Hume City take on Melbourne Victory I know. Uh, in another Victorian derby. And Edgeworth Eagles play the Western Sydney Wanderers. So that's the round of 16. Another team from games Newcastle. There. So there you go. Um, that is the FFA Cup. And, uh, and uh, we'll move on to the next topic. Let's go have a whistle, please. <laughs> I'm just talking to my producer here. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just wanted that tonight. But uh, let's. Uh, I want to. I want to just uh, quickly say Tony Wormsley was sacked as the Central Coast uh, yeah. Mariners. It, it, what's the reason? Because of their poor poor form. In the <laughs> can I, can I say he's not very can good? Can I say? <laughs> I think they rolled out the vice chairman. The chairman couldn't. Peter Story. They're a basket case. Yeah. They are a basket. I mean, fair income. The writing was on the wall at the end of last season, really. Yeah. And they go through a preseason, and I know. It's the longest preseason in the history of world sport, and they've still got technically two months before the start of the season. But fair income, you know, it's not going to cost you any less money to do it now than what it would have done at the time. Just the club needed to move on from last yep. season symbolically and actually, and to do it now, it just proves that they haven't learned anything. They can as far get as Jose my... Mourinho into that club, Pep Guardiola to run that to to coach that team. And they'll still have the same problems because once they sacked Wormsley, you know what? The first thing that they said, they're going to sit down with Harry Redknapp yeah. and ask his opinion about who they should go with next. Really? <laughs> you know, with all due respect to Harry Redknapp, well, actually, with all due disrespect <laughs> to Harry Redknapp, what there's do you no, know there's about... No disrespect mm, to Harry what, I mean, they're applying rules of the EPL or what he's used to over in the UK to Central Coast Mariners. You couldn't get a more... You know, you couldn't get two two um, regions or, fo- or two f- football cultures that are more uh, pole, poles apart. You know, in my humble opinion, and I, most of my opinion is humble. Well, I humility is a thing you do do. They need to get <laughs> an experienced A League coach of past, like a a Johnny Cosmina or a Branko Kalina or somebody. Well, they're talking about Mike Mulvey. Well, they need somebody yeah. with that experience. You wouldn't give it to Arthur Pappas? 
I give well, it to Pappas. Yeah, I wouldn't the, like to see a new coach maybe be burned in that environment. Yeah, That's true, the only thing true. I'd say. Boys, um, it's, uh, what is it, 18 past 11. Now it's time for Warren's Rant. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. Start of the EPL season this weekend. And it's come to my realisation that how much I hate Manchester United. They've been irrelevant for the last couple of seasons. Irrelevant. You know, little kiddies who used to wear their Chevrolet tops around with Manchester United and Wayne Rooney on the back. They've discarded them. Discarded them because they're irrelevant. (laughs) Irrelevant. And just very quietly. The man, I don't know, he's not the man with the tech. I've forgotten how much I hate. He is the antithesis of my hatred. Jose Mourinho. Uh, you got to mention Jose his name? Jose Mourinho. Let's face it. Everyone in world football knows that the Pogba deal was the most disgraceful bit of poor buying in the history of world football. History of world football. And suddenly he comes out and says, oh, well, criticism of the other managers. We know he hates Arsene Wenger. What's your problem with Jurgen Klopp? Oh, little clubs couldn't get such a big player. They couldn't afford such a big player. Well, Jose, I hate you. I hate you. I hate Manchester United. And I'll say it, for all you Manchester United fans out there who are talking yourselves up and feel like you're back in the mix, have a look at your defence. It's not the thing around the backyard. Liverpool? Anyone who wants to take me on. Liverpool will beat Manchester United. We'll finish higher than Man United this year. Slatan Ibrahimovic, he'll do his ACL. <laughs> Rodrigo, I told you, that's my rant, and you're never going to wind me up. I hate <laughs> Manchester United. It's 20 past 11. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Warren, you know you're in trouble when Marie, who, who's a big friend of the Diego, says, that's idiot Diego saying how he hates Man U. There you go. Thanks for that, Marie. Hey, um, we're going to go to the Ian Robson interview now because earlier in the week we spoke with uh, the Melbourne Victory CEO and he was really in the mood for a chat, which was fantastic. uh, And we hope you enjoy his interview. Here it is. Here in the Four Diegos, uh, we're speaking with Melbourne Victory CEO Ian Robson. Ian, thanks for joining us. Nice to have you along. Uh, Ole. It's wonderful to be with the one, two, three, four Amigos. And uh, what a thrill it is to talk to you, gentlemen. Always on message, mate. Very, very good. <laughs> hey, um, just a quick broad one for you. Are you happy, given that the A-League season's, what, what about eight weeks away, uh, are you happy with the shape the clubs are looking like going into the season? It's, I suppose it's an interesting thing for, because uh, football around the world, the, the off-season is remarkable for how short it is. And, and we're, we're probably a league where it's remarkable for how long it is. So, uh, you know, the, the, the English Premier League wouldn't have had eight weeks. Uh, and when you think about the... Uh, the elite players who come off the back of the Euros, it would have been even shorter. So it, it's a long time coming and it certainly builds anticipation. And uh, from our point of view, we, we've had obviously the uh, the uh, involvement in the ICC, uh, an early FFA Cup match. So that to get three games in 10 days off a, off a, a start uh, back at the, at the beginning of July and to get three Ws across those games was, was tremendous for us and gives us a real sort of... Uh, fantastic platform this early early on but we all we also know we've got a long way to go and uh, the first game against Brisbane on a Friday night in October seems a long way away we've got some more FFA Cup matches to play but 
just a, an era of excitement, I suppose, is what's building. And, and the membership program is, is, is telling us that our members and fans are excited about what lies ahead as well. Um, Robbo, it's Carlos. Now, we can talk about what's going to happen in the future, but I want to take you back a little bit. In the AFL, they like to have reviews at the end of the year. Uh, did you uh, dare have a review with Kevin Musket, uh, coach of your <laughs> club? Uh, um, is that something you, you, you would do, or is that just something that uh, you might have a, on an ongoing basis? Well, I think it, it, it's always interesting that the, the, the negative and sinister interpretation on review was put on, on a club, say, like Richmond in the last week because of how they're performing. But the highest of performing clubs and the highest performing of any organisations, whether it's business or, or sport, um, are, are constantly putting themselves under review because it's all about answering you know, the, 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 the challenge. The, the simple question is, how are we going to get better next year? Because to, you never want to come back next year and, and say our challenge is to do what we did last year or to perform to that level. It's always how do you get better? And we asked ourselves lots of really hard questions uh, at the end of last season because we know, candidly, where we finished was, was a great disappointment. And, and in the harsh way we measure our, our performance, it simply wasn't good enough. Uh, and we, we, we know that. Uh, we were desperately close to, to achieving some really exciting things, but sadly we pulled up short. All of that said... There were three trophies on the line last year, and we won one of them, uh, called the FFA Cup. And mm. I know a number of our other compatriot clubs would, would have been delighted to have uh, had that level of success. So it's perhaps a measure of where we see ourselves that we talk about the year with, with disappointment. And so we've seen some changes already in the off-season. We've, we've um, you know, welcomed back uh, Jean-Paul de Marigny. We've added Darren Davies to the coaching staff, so there's an, an extra coach around Kevin to provide him with support. We're still going through the process of, of continuing to rebuild the list and some more foreign players to be known, but welcoming Alan Barrow, welcoming James Troisi back, uh, great recruits and, and James Donaghy and, and uh, Mitch Austin. So there's, there's some excitement there. And then you, you get those couple of little cameos from a couple of the kids that we've seen in the ICC matches. Uh, and obviously Steph Pasquale is, is, the, is, the, is the one that everyone's talking about. It, it adds another layer of excitement for, for what lies ahead. So Review, yes, but you very quickly move on, Carlos, because you have to, you know, at the end of the season, we had a delayed end of the season because of the uh, Champions League matches, so everyone was on holidays when we were still playing, uh, and then you very quickly move into uh, debriefs, players going away, saying goodbye to some fantastic warriors for this club, particularly Matthew Delpierre, who was just outstanding for us over a couple of seasons, and, and of course, in, in, a, in, a, in a longevity sense, Archie Thompson, and uh, so lots of sort of let go and walk away from and leave behind and then come back with a fresh start. Robbo, Warren here, and for full disclosure, because you won't get it from Carlos or Rodrigo, I am a Melbourne City fan, so I'm sort of like the enemy. But my question <laughs> surrounds all the other clubs in Australia are aspiring to get to the status of Melbourne victory. Not only have you got a, a loyal fan base, it's a large loyal fan base of probably, you know, twenty five to 30,000 for most games that you play. I wonder, as the CEO... How do you go into this season trying to build that membership? Is it is it looking at other markets like Geelong, who really showcase themselves during the ICC? Is it other opportunities that exist within Victoria? How do you continue to build what is already a fantastically strong club? It's a really, really good question. And I really thank you for the candid nature of your honesty and <laughs> who you support. I think that's, that's something you might share with your colleagues. Across the <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, if you can't get a ticket for the derby in round uh, two, give me a shout. All things being equal, on the assumption that um, Tim signs, uh, that'll be his uh, debut, not just for City, but his debut in Melbourne uh, in colours other than the Socceroos. 
so it's, it, that's certainly going to be an exciting time, and the derbies are going to have a, an extra edge, no doubt, this year. Look, the challenge you speak of about growth is, is something that uh, we, we need to remind all about ourselves all the time, that the league is 11 years old, and for all of our the milestones that we've been able to secure on and off the field, we're only 11 years old as a club, and you know I'm sitting in my office tonight, and you know the Collingwood Football Club's 150 yards away, and it's 140 years old. So we we know there's a lot of road in front of us and a lot of milestones to achieve, but we've got off to such a, a positive start. And if there's one thing, whether we're talking at games or family days or a training, that gives us a sense of what's possible with growth, it's kids. And seeing young boys and girls wandering around in victory shirts and having their sporting habits ingrained in them by parents who have clearly adopted the victory in, in its own way perpetuates growth. Because that, that's what's happened if you look at, you know, so for, for Collingwood Football Club, it's 140, 150 years. That's six generations old. We're not even half a generation old yet. And you create that perpetual motion that says mums and dads pass that baton down to their children, to their grandchildren. And we know that's going to be an incredible part of our, uh, our journey moving forward. So we have games in Geelong and we look forward to going back down there again in January with another A-League game for points. We've really... Been come to know, uh, you know Simmons Stadium is a home away from home for us. We obviously enjoy the, the, the really incredible, you know, pitch-perfect atmosphere here at, at Omi Park. And then for the big stage, you know, to be able to sell out um, Etihad Stadium for, for derbies and other big matches adds another dimension to our support as well. So we know there's a long way to go. And, and the key challenge for us is never taking that growth for granted. It's continuing to reward our fans and our members who've shown their loyalty and their passion. And I think that that journey of, of, of you know, the unique match day experience, acknowledgement, recognition, the way we're growing with our social media engagement, gives them that level of recognition and support that uh, says we want more of this and we want to bring more people with us. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with Melbourne Victory CEO Ian Robson. Now, Ian, um, the A-League's got a new CEO, Greg O'Rourke. Have you met Greg? Actually, I haven't, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. He's... Uh, a New South Wales uh, gentleman with uh, a, a good and long background in the game, albeit corporately he's been at, was at PepsiCo for a long time. But he starts, uh, I think it's the last week of August, and, and we've actually got a uh, an A-League conference the two days after that in Sydney. So Kevin Muscat, Paul Cimboli, and myself will be up there for a couple of days, and, and uh, we'll get a chance to, I think, jump in the deep end with all the other clubs to meet Greg and uh, get, get a sense of... Uh, how he's going to run things. And now, Robbo, don't tell us you're going, to, you're going to suss him out to get a sense. You're going to, you're going to tell him what to do uh, because you're, a power, you're the man who's in the mo- uh, leading the most powerful club in, in Australia. What's the first thing you're going to tell him to get on to? What's the priority for you, uh, not only for the Melbourne Victory's uh, benefit, but also for the game's benefit? Oh, look, I think that the simple answer to that question, with all due respect to Greg, before he even walks into the room, um, <laughs> is the challenge that lies at, at David Gallup. Gallup score working with Stephen Lowy, and that's the TV deal. Um, we, we need to find a way to embrace the support and the partnership and the, and the commitment we've had with Fox Sports to find an alignment with a free-to-air partner that will really take the, the promotion, profile and coverage of the game to another level. And uh, I, I think as much as we'll be craving, of course, an increased financial return, um, that, that heightened level of coverage and mainstream promotion for the game will, will do it no no end of good, and we only need to look as we keep referring to you know the the, the quantum leap that the Big Bash took uh, by by finding that free to wear partner. We want to have a partnership which retains the good work that uh, Fox have, have done with the code, who have been incredible with us from day one, and, and bring that compelling 
free-to-air partnering. And I think that's the single biggest challenge we face off-field uh, in the next six to 12 months. We're going to build a really solid base to, to begin the year in the right way, and that's on a positive note. I think your fans are really excited uh, this far out from the season. Enjoy the rest of the pre-season, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you uh, during this, the A-League season. Thanks for your time, Ian. And, and boys, thank you for all that you do in supporting the code, the A-League. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we, we can never take for granted the passion uh, that you bring, and uh, long may that be the case. So thank you for uh, all that you do. No worries, and I'll, um, I'll, get, I'll keep your mobile number just for that <laughs> ticket for the uh, City game, because if there's party pies on offer somewhere in the victory rooms, I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a commitment I'm happy to, to, to honour, without question. <laughs> Excellent. Good on you, Ian. Thanks for your time. There's the Melbourne Victory CEO, Ian Robson. We had a really good chat with him. And you can catch the full interview with Ian online tomorrow. So make sure you uh, check us out on Twitter, at 4Diegos, and uh, you'll hear the full interview. Uh, it was really interesting. We, we covered a broad yeah. range of topics, about 25 minutes or so. So make sure. That's part of our Football Bosses series. Um, we're going to be speaking with CEOs and uh, bosses. Jose Mourinho? Uh, from across no, the A-League. That's distinct from the Horrible Bosses series. Yeah, that's right. And uh, next week, it's Peter Philopoulos, yes. the CEO of Perth Glory. Hey, let's take a break now because after the break we're going to be speaking with Matilda Star, Elise Callan Knight. This is the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On eleven sixteen SEN, the Four Diego's. Yes, and thanks for joining us on this uh, cold. Wednesday night here in Melbourne Town uh, had a big show so far, but it's just going to get bigger because live boys and girls listening <laughs> live from Rio in sunny Rio. Well, I'm hoping no, I don't it's think sunny. They're in, I don't think they're in Rio. Matilda's star, Elise Callanight. Good evening or good morning to you, Elise, and welcome to the Four Diegos. Hey guys, great to be part. Great to hear from you. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez here. Vinny Venezuela's here as well. Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego have been here. Um, hey, am I right in saying that it's happy birthday? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. It is my birthday, 10th of August. It's a bit confusing though because um, with the time zones, but today in Brazil, it is my birthday. Happy birthday. Elise. What you've got to do is take both days. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, there's a bit of confusion, but take both days as your birthday and spread it right out because you've just made now the knockout stages of the World Cup. You've got a big game against Brazil this Friday, and, uh, and I've got to say, you guys have got to be pretty excited. You're hitting the form at the right time, and uh, you've got good form against Brazil, good recent form anyway. Yeah, it's a very exciting time for the Australian women's team. Um, biggest match of our lives, I think, is coming up on Friday, playing against the home nation um, in the quarterfinal. So I'm expecting a massive crowd, hopefully all in yellow, so we can assume that they're supporting us <laughs> as well. But it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a pretty special occasion, that's for sure. Elisa, Vinnie Venezuela here. Happy birthday. Tell me, how has the mindset uh, been and recovered since the game against Canada? Yeah, the mindset's good. We've got a fantastic group of players that are very fun-loving, so we always try and keep the mood upbeat. Um, and, and we always know uh, what our focus is, so it's, it's not hard to, to get back on track after um, an average performance, so uh, it didn't take us long to really regroup and recharge after that, and I think we are. I think we're building towards um, something great through this tournament. Elise Warren here. We The Diego's were fortunate enough to go to Brazil for the last World Cup, and the one thing I wanted to ask you, 
there is a sense of it's a big country and there's a lot of travel and the airports aren't always the best places to be and the planes don't always arrive and leave on time. How are you coping with yeah. that sense? I suppose it's like a, a World Cup in some ways, but it is a, it's a big country and, and logistically it's a bit difficult to get around. Yeah, you're spot on. It's, it's exactly like a World Cup where you're doing massive amounts of travel. Um, lucky for us, we experienced it last year where we had big flights throughout Canada. So we had we were flying from East Coast to West Coast in Canada, which um, was probably some of the toughest travel you, you'll experience. Um, and it's the same here. We, we were lucky and we had two games in the one location in Sao Paulo. Our third match was in Salvador. And today we'll head um, on a, I think it's about an hour and a half flight. So it's not... Uh, massive travel, but it still takes a toll on your body when you've only got two days to really recover. But we're experienced. We we had a good chance to adapt to that um, type of situation last year. And um, yeah, I don't find it too hard. It's, it's actually okay. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with Matilda Starr and current PFA Player of the Year recipient, um, Elise Callan Knight. Uh, Carlos. Yeah, Elise, uh, it's Carlos again. Um, now, how will this game on Friday pan out? Because uh, there's, there's so many strengths to your game. Not only you, you've got a good uh, ability to, the, to possess the ball, but what I saw against the Germans, uh, and if you really you know, were on target on the day, you, you would have beaten the Germans you know, almost 6-2 uh, with the breakaways and, and the counterattacks. Caitlin, form was all, Caitlin Ford was almost unplayable against the Germans. And, of course, you've got Sam Kerr up front and you know, these marauders from midfield. Is that how you're going to beat Brazil on Friday, on that counter-attack? Or do you think you're going to out-possess the possession queens that Brazil are? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real strength of our team. We, we can play that possession-style football, um, if needed be, against some of our weaker opponents, which you saw um, last night. And we can also play that counter-attack type game which you saw against Germany because we have probably one of the quickest attacking lineups I think in women's football um, so it's real strength and it, it actually makes my job a lot easier because you do know if you are under the pump you, you have that outlet of um, winning that foot race up front but when you think about playing Brazil we've played them twice in the last year um, actually we played them in Fortaleza a few weeks ago and it's a different style of football they're very individualistic so um, it'll ha- I think it's going to take a whole new game plan, which you haven't even seen yet this tournament. Elisa, I know we're Aussies and we're cocky, and you're probably eating meat every night at those Brazilian churrasco <laughs> restaurants, but maybe before the Brazil game, just sort of simplify the diet so you guys are nice and light. Carbs, carbs. <laughs> yeah, carbs. <laughs> Something that'll be digested quick. Carbs. Absolutely. Elise, I think um, your coach came out. Maybe you were one goal away from finishing second in the group and overtaking Germany on, on goal difference. You played the games at the same time. Is there? I mean, I suppose you don't regret not being able to go after that extra goal. Does that make any difference or have you got that sort of sense that Whoever you can play, whoever you come up against now, you can you can beat. So just put whoever you you want in front of us, and we'll knock them off, and we'll just keep knocking off teams as we go through. Yeah, I've got that mentality for sure. I mean, to win the tournament, you've got to be the best team here, so you've got to beat the best team. Um, for me, it's, I'm not really phased, but in saying that, throughout the game, we were updated on the German-Canada score, and we, we did know our situation. We knew we needed seven goals, and we couldn't concede one. Um, so we were pushing for those seven, but unfortunately, 
um, that didn't really go our way and the game did change and um, they were able to get a goal against us and, and we weren't able to get those seven fourths. So at the end of the day, I'm not phased by it. I think it's a great opportunity to play one of the best teams in the world um, on their homeland in front of a massive crowd. It's going to be a big occasion. I know Australians always step up to the mark. We actually play better when we're with our backs against the wall. So for us, it's, I don't even think it's a bad thing. I think it's, it's going to be a great occasion and a great event. Now, Elise, you know, just listening to you there, you're unflappable, you're, you're, you're confident, you're, you're just this new breed of female footballer that Australia is developing. Um, where, tell us a little bit about you, because obviously we here in Melbourne in particular hear a lot about Lisa Devana and, and you know, uh, the, the likes of Caitlin Ford and Steph Cat, Catley and all that. But, you know, we don't know a lot about you. And I know you play football in Germany, uh, but you've won awards too. I mean, you're, you're a star. And uh, so just tell us a little bit about, about your background and, and your career in Germany. Yeah, well, I'm pretty modest. I'm a hard worker that doesn't really um, get a lot of limelight because I do a lot of my work off the ball. Um, I started playing as a left back um, in the, back in around two, 2010. Tom, under Tom Samani. Um, that's probably when I had my breakthrough and I had a successful World Cup at left back in 2011. And then when Sage came in, I moved into the midfield. Um, and since 2012, I've fielder. Um, I've played most of my club football at Brisbane Raw, but I've had little stints overseas. After the 2011 World Cup, I went to Jack, um, experienced football there. And then I went to Japan and experienced a technical game there and now I've signed a longer term deal in Germany because I think it's um, what I needed at this point in my career to develop to the next um, the next phase and I think German football, the Women's Bundesliga is probably one of the most professional environments you can you can be in and I get regular training against really good players and for me I think it's pushing me to that next level. Um, it's hard to, to keep improving and motivating yourself when you um, sort of do hit that um, mid twenties point, I think he needs to start challenging himself and finding a new club, and, and that's where I'm at at this point in time. I'm really enjoying the challenges over there. Elise, I'm just wondering, as one of the few teams that has to travel around the country to play in the Olympic Games, the connection you have with the rest of the group. I, I mean, for me already. Women's team sports has been highlighted by the Pearls winning the rugby, and I'm not sure how much connection you have because certainly women's team sports and, and women in general as part of the Olympic team really in many ways lead the way over the men in terms of performances for Australia. But I'm wondering that connection you feel with other Olympic teams like the Pearls who won the gold medal in the first ever rugby women's competition. Yeah, it's so encouraging to see the women doing well. Um, in terms of the connection, a little bit disappointing that we're not in Rio, but I think that's a part of the long-term goal. I mean, if we get to the final, we get to go to Rio and we get to really be amongst all the action and, and it will still, and it will become um, like it's a real Olympic Games. But at the moment, it's, it's sort of the feeling like a World Cup where you are going in and out of hotels and it's really only exclusively football what we're exposed to. Um, but in saying that, we... We have had connection with the Australian Olympic team. We do get updates. They send us a lot of videos and encouragement. Um, we were there supporting the Rugby Sevens when they had their victory. Um, so we, we still do feel a connection, but I think we haven't really tied in with the Olympic team. And that won't happen until we get to that final in Rio, which is the long-term goal. And 
that's really motivating us. And hopefully by the time you get to Rio, the Olympic Village, the issues will be fixed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, although you're doing it in luxury at the moment, I hope. But hey, Elise, thank you very much for your time before the massive game Mm. on Friday against Brazil. 100,000 people hopefully there at the stadium. It's going to be awesome. Um, Good luck to you and the uh, rest of the Matildas and uh, the Diegos and everyone listening are right behind you. Happy birthday and thanks for your time again. Thanks, guys. Great to hear from you. And hopefully it's a good performance on Saturday. It will be, Elise. It will be. It will be. We're very, very confident. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Elise. (laughs) Thanks very much. There you go. There's Elise Callanite, very down-to-earth Absolutely humble, down-to-earth, confident. The new breed of Australian female footballer. Fantastic. Love it. Uh, Let's take a break now and come back with Mike McGrath on the Four Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. It's been an action-packed night so far, and uh, thanks to Elise Callan Knight again and Ian Robson so far. But now we're going to go to the other to the side star of the show of the world. It's uh, <laughs> live from the sun in, <laughs> not from the sun. He's not on the sun. He works for the sun in the UK. It's Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the Diegos. Hi guys, thanks yes. for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Rodrigo, Vinny, Warren, and uh, Carlos are here. I just, Mike, I just wanted, I've been watching so much of, we now have the specialty channels on our Foxtel coverage over here. So Chelsea TV was riveting tonight. They had live training (laughs) and they were were commentating live training and Liverpool and all these clubs have got these press box shows, you know, where they get members of the press to come on and talk about the upcoming season. You haven't been invited on to Chelsea TV or Man U TV yet because I get a sense that once you're on those shows, buddy, you've really, really made it because I've never seen so much airtime filled <laughs> with not very much, can I say. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a new kind of stream to journalism rec- you know, in recent years, uh, being being a talking head on one of these things. I have been on a few um, uh, last season, but obviously I'm, you know, I'm also of the opinion to you know try and do the job properly as well I mean <laughs> being on the phone every night rather than um, rather than being on TV so I'm I'm happy for others to do it as well Mike uh, if uh, are you happy for us to represent you if we make an approach for MUTV because <laughs> I want to pocket 20 million on the side just just for making that deal <laughs> Well it seems like they're um, they're actually yeah they're dishing out some decent commission these days to, to for transfers in there so you'd be you'd be quid then uh, Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, Paul Pogba. Now let's let's talk about that transfer. Uh, he's not the best player in the world. He's not the finished product. He's 23 years old, and the, from you know, I don't see him. I never, I hadn't seen him play regularly for Juventus. I did see him play at the Euros, and he was quite underwhelming there. Now I understand that some great players can have poor tournaments, but all the information I've got is that over the last two years he's not been fantastic. He's just been a, a good player. In a, in a team that wins the Scudetto four, four years in a row. Uh, so what's, what's Man U paying a world record price for a player who's not the finished product and not the best in the world? What's all that about? Well, I think they're paying um, what is now the going rate because that seems to be... Uh, it, it seems to be that 
that is a price that you have to pay to get a very, very, very good player. And like you say, he's not the best in the world yet. But I think there is there is enough from you know people who have watched him play to say that he could be um, the next Patrick Vieira. Um, you know, he might not be, but he is still a very good player, and that is a going rate, even though it is a world record. We've got this new money coming into our game this year from uh, from Sky Television, so it, it is what people have to pay now. If you want to have Christian Benteke, you're going to have to pay £30 million, pounds, um, which seems crazy money for somebody who doesn't get in the Liverpool team, but that's what Liverpool can demand, and if they don't get it, they're, you know, they don't you know, they, they don't particularly need to uh, accept £20 million. Pounds. Um, but also Pogba, I mean, he really is... What, what they will do with him is put him right at the front of every poster that they have, of every Adidas um, launch that they have. He'll be right at the front because he will now be their iconic man for the next eight years or so. I don't think Wayne Rooney's going anywhere quickly in terms of I don't think he's gonna he's gonna leave um Man U but he is he is thirty one this year. Paul Pogba is twenty three and he is the man that they see as the, the future of the club and the face of the club as well. Mike, does it give you a sense that everyone's gettable? Like I'd say if you're gonna pay that much for Pogba, why wouldn't you go after Bale really, really seriously? Why wouldn't you break the bank and saying, if, okay, this is the money that you pay, why don't you go after those guys? And does it mean that everyone, Neymar possibly, and these guys, that everyone's gettable with the type of money that the big Premier League clubs can actually get to sign players? Well, man, you have, they, they've asked about Bale and they've asked about him regularly for the last few years, since he's been over there, they do inquire about him. But Real Madrid want to keep him there, and they don't really want, they don't want to do business for him, and they're preparing a contract offer for him. So that's where they stand on Bell, and they have asked about Neymar as well, which also has been turned down. So if they could, they would get they would get these Galacticos. Um, Every year, if they if they could, they've got the money for it. It's not. It will not break the break the bank at all. For, uh, the Pogba deal. They will not be scrimping um, around the club because they bought Paul Pogba. But it's a case of competing with uh, Barcelona and Real, Real Madrid when these players come around. And United think it's a massive coup that they've beaten Madrid for it because they don't come around it um, every every window. United would sign them, but but basically they can't because the people that have them won't sell. So um, so they see it as a, as a real big big statement from them. Um, even though they're they're in the Europa League, it's a big statement from them that they want to be back at the top. Mike Vinnie again. Um, given that uh, Pogba didn't get much game time under Fergie, and that was probably one of the reasons why he wanted to sort of be loaned out and stuff like that. Have there been any whispers from from Fergie's people about uh, what Fergie might think of the move. Well, there was a there was a, a really interesting story about a week ago um, from you know, esteemed writer Martin Samuel um, on the back of the Daily Mail saying that this deal has got Fergie's blessing, um, which 
which would would suggest that he you know he, he probably has admitted i mean it is a mistake isn't it if you if you let somebody go for nothing and get eight hundred thousand pounds <laughs> in compensation and you have to buy him back for best five hundred million <laughs> it, is a, it is a mistake um so i think even fergie would would admit that um Mike, uh, they call that the that elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but that that story would suggest that he, you know, he admitted it's a mistake, but would uh, would obviously see that he's a player that will um, progress the club on and off the pitch. Um, so I mean, there's not much they can do about it now in terms of um, the fact that he's gone and they want him back. So they just have to, if they want a player like that, they'd have to pay the money. Um, and they've, you know, if they wanted Ronaldo back as well, they'd have to pay a lot more. Um, if Real Madrid was selling, they'd have to pay a lot more than than what they what they sold him to Real Madrid for. Hey, Mike, uh, we've run out of time, unfortunately. So, very quickly, what's your first game for the year? I'm going to um, Man City the Sunderland on Saturday. So Pep Guardiola's first game. We'll see how he gets on in the Premier League. Very nice. Enjoy day one, Mike, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Here's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 11.16 SEN Melbourne's Home of Sport. On 11.16 SEN, the four Diego's. Coming up after the Diego's, it's All Night Appetite with Tim Jeffrey. Now, I want to, just in closing, you know, we've got to go to news very soon. I want to distance myself, and myself. with my yeah, Rodrigo and Vinny from Warren's Rant where he called for a player to have an ACL injury. Disgraceful. He said he hated men. We don't use words like hate in the Diego's. We don't want players to be injured on the Diego's. I want you to apologise, Warren. You've got 10 seconds to apologise. There ain't no apologising. I hate Manchester United. How about ACL? That was bad. Do you wish yeah. they're a club, aren't they? Oh. That's it for this week's show. Remember, Carlos. Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we're, we're there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bamba, we're, we're there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls on their feet, we're, we're there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we're, we're there. there. We are the Four Diego. Hey.